0: And welcome to Women's Wellness with Loose Inspiration Podcast. I am your host, Lucy Catino. Ladies, this is your safe space where we discuss everything women's wellness. Let's dive in and start to peel back the layers. My guest today is Carla Montero, a social worker who is passionate about policy, mental health, criminal justice reform, and immigration. She is the founder and president of the Caverdian Social Workers Association. Carla currently works for the Bridge Clinic, a substance use clinic of Brigham and Women's Hospital. This past May, Carla was the honoree for the Future of Social Work Award by the National Association of Social Workers, Massachusetts chapter. She is also a champion mom to her 18-year-old son. Welcome, Carla. How are you feeling today? I'm well.
1: How
0: are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for asking. You know, as I'm as I'm preparing your intro, that just—I mean—that pretty much just doesn't even encompass all of your accomplishments. That was just—you know—I had to shrink it down. But um, it's pretty impressive and just so filled with passion. And the more research I've done on you, I'm just like, wow. You're truly living on purpose, and I'm just so amazed by you, and I'm so honored for you to be here today and share your knowledge and share your work, so welcome.
1: Thank you, Um, and thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. I've done a little research on you as well, Uh, but I see that you're doing amazing things, so um, thank you so much, and thank you for creating this um, podcast for women um, to have a a safe space to talk.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure, really. So, let's just dive in to my uh first question, Carla. When did you discover your passion for social work, the work that you're doing now?
1: Okay. Um so in so I t- I kind of always say that even as a as a teenager, I was kind of always like a social worker. You know, I didn't know that I wanted to be one, but I was constantly Um, you know, assisting, you know, people in my community who are Cape Verdean, who did struggle with language barriers. You know, I was going to the welfare office with people, doctor's appointments, um, also, you know, giving food to friends who, um, had food insecurity. So those are just some things that I had done, you know, growing up as a teenager, um, but it wasn't actually until um, the spring of 2013 when I had, exper- I had been experiencing um, some symptoms of restlessness and excessive worry. I felt um, shortness of breath, uh, but attributed it to asthma. Um, and in the middle, you know, I was in the middle of home renovations. Um, the company I had worked for was downsizing, and I had previously experienced many traumas, um, including loss of friends and family members to the prison system and community violence. Um, Um, Despite all of those things, I still was, you know, I still kept going. I didn't take any days off and I was determined to provide a better life for my son. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had, um, so I had finally, uh, during that time, I had finally passed the police exam um, and I was going into the academy as a recruit officer. And this was a pivotal moment in my life, but I was completely falling apart and had no idea what was happening to me. Um. I had been back and forth to the emergency clinics, um, I mean, sorry, ur- I'm sorry, urgent care clinics and also emergency departments, but it um, wasn't until a friend took me to Brigham and Women's Hospital, where I work now, that the doctors had conveyed that I was experiencing symptoms of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Now, by that time, I um, it was late winter and the anxiety symptoms had increased um, to physical system symptoms, which meant that I had been experiencing nausea, vomiting. Uh, My whole body was extremely tense. I was experiencing panic attacks. I was grinding my teeth when I did sleep, Mm -hmm. um, even though that only lasted for a few hours. And so um, that cycle continued and it continued to repeat itself. And I continued to get worse. I cried multiple times a day. Um, and people, I remember people calling me and saying, be strong, um, but had no idea how debilitating um, anxiety can be and how it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my anxiety at that point had manifested into agoraphobia, which means that people, uh, which means fear of um, avoiding places or situations that might cause um, panic or make you feel trapped or helpless or embarrassed. And so I was in the house, you know, for example, I was in the house, you know, with the door locked, but fear of the mailman coming in um, coming in the house every day when he delivered the mail. I kept telling myself that, um, he wasn't coming in, but the the anxiety overpowered my rational thoughts. Um, the anxiety was so debilitating for me. Um, I had to resign for the police academy and it affected my role as a mother. I was lucky enough that my son was pretty self-sufficient and that my family and friends, um, had jumped in to support me and my son. And shortly after that, um, I began to see a therapist and discovered that I had been living with undiagnosed and untreated anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to unpack my trigger, what, you know, what my triggers were, um, some underlying issues and um, how to identify my triggers and how to cope with um, the symptoms as well. Um, and so this experience made me realize that mental health is something that was never discussed in our home. Uh, my mother watched me battle um, battle anxiety and mentioned that she had experienced these symptoms as well. Um, My family's from Fogo Cabo Verde and culturally these conversations don't exist and therefore we we suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. Um, So I sought to explore uh, mental illness and enrolled um, in Quincy College in 2014 um, and began my journey as a social worker. um, And I completed my bachelor's at Bridgewater State University and my master's at Boston College. Um, And at that time, I also you know, thought about creating an organization that allowed me to educate the K-Birding community about mental health and illnesses and substance use disorders. And so that's when I decided to um, also create um, K-Birding and Social Workers Association.
0: Wow. What a story. And it's such a, a great uh, topic to to brush up on because it is like this silence um a disease, if you will, it's a condition that mm-hmm. we don't really understand. And, and, and you did say someone told you to be strong. And that it's like foreign language, because I've also, um I've also suffered with that in my early 20s. And I do share this mm-hmm. in my book, too, when I first felt the sensation and having to beg my friend to rush me to the emergency room not knowing what was going on short, like the all of the sensations that you've experienced is exactly what my what I was going through inside of my body yeah. and so it's really important that we we share that um because there's so many people that are also you know, battling with this, uh, with this condition. And what you did say, you you did mention your triggers, understanding what those triggers are, how were you able to to do that, if you don't mind sharing?
1: Um, So I think it it depends on what, you know, um, what situation you're in, or people, you know, even, you know, you you could have certain people in your life that do certain things Mm -hmm. that, you know, may aggravate, you know, you start to feel yourself getting tense around them, shoulders getting tight, Mm -hmm. Or like this sort of um, nauseating feeling when you're around certain people or certain situations. So for example, um, for me at that time, um, I knew that going out of the house was a trigger for me. And so going to the grocery store was a huge trigger. I'd be in line and I would be panicking. And I remember forgetting to bring my debit card that day because I was just, you know, kind of cognitively impaired because of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody was, you know, three people behind me and they were saying, well, you know, she needs to get with the times. Why doesn't she have a debit card, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I happened to have a checkbook in my bag just for emergency purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so triggering for me. I was nauseous. I remember rushing home and like never wanting to go outside again. Um, you know, there's things that are constantly re-triggering, like people who live in our community. I live in the community of Dorchester. And so people who um, have experienced, um, you know, different traumas in terms of community violence or have lost people to certain things, um, that can constantly be re-triggering. And so social media, the news, um, there's tons of different things that could be triggering for you. You just have to kind of learn how to identify that. And the best way to do that is to meet with a therapist and they can kind of help you navigate that.
0: Right, and is avoidance something that we should not do should it's part of um coming uh getting over it is uh pretty much going towards it if you will
1: i think it depends on the person Uh um for some people avoidance works better um because you you may not really need that person or that thing in your life right right? let's say it's a friend and um you know the relationship is just so toxic that you know people may look at it as avoidance but you're really eliminating um that toxic behavior out of your life and it's important to learn to identify what is okay to avoid and what is okay to kind of work towards you know because sometimes you may have a trigger that's something like you know like if you are trying to go outside or something like that um, obviously, you know, you're, you're going to have to go to work someday, you're going to have to do certain things. And so in that case, then you want to work with your therapist to get you back to a place where you're comfortable enough to leave your house to go to work or to face certain people or things. Yeah,
0: no, that's and I'm glad you clear, you did clear that up. Thank you for that. Um, now, you're doing the work now you are a social worker, You also considered an essential worker in in the face of Coronavirus.
1: How has your role changed since the outbreak? So our roles have changed um, dramatically, um, but i know so i, I know i I've, I've been pretty vocal about um, social workers as essential um, workers mm-hmm. um, and um, you know the profession not being recognized during covid mm-hmm. um, and i have I have friends who will say you know it's not about the recognition but um, I have, you know, expressed that this kind of goes, um, beyond COVID and beyond the recognition, um, as a social work pro- profession is often like the forgotten field. Yeah. Right? Um, and so, you know, like in, you know, our profession has been questioned as a profession, um, you know, in 1915 and, you know, as a result, um, they have created, um, you know, um, the association of social work hospitals was established to perform, uh, to create, um, formal education for us. And then, you know, National Association of Social Workers has worked tirelessly to promote the professional development, um, advanced policies and education um, and social workers continue to be on the front lines um, in courts, hospitals, um, and in the community providing an array of services. Um, and many social workers have had to adjust to new technology in um, ways of doing their job. And it is especially difficult to be a social worker um, and have clients who, you know, may benefit more from um, in-person visits versus virtual visits. But unfortunately, during, during the times um, that the current um, climate, um, some people do have to do um, virtual visits. So are you also and, doing physical visits currently right now? So we are um, in a substance use clinic. Mm-hmm. And so um, originally uh, when the pandemic initially um, had began, uh, we had a team meeting to discuss um, our our protocols for the pandemic. And so uh, we had originally planned to reduce clinic hours and having um, some, the same employees coming on, coming in on specific days to minimize the risk of transmission. Um, and so, We have had, so our patients are experiencing substance use disorder, but then they also may have um, mental illness, such as anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, and bipolar, just to name a few. Um, And so our patients are extremely vulnerable, and so a lot of them experiencing homelessness and um, lack of transportation resources and food insecurities. And so we typically, um, so we have now transitioned to um, telehealth visits across the board, um, but we do come into clinic um, for patients who, um, need injectable, um, medications. Mm-hmm. So we are coming in for
0: that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and do you, um, have any concerns for what is to come for your patients after the, after the quarantine phase, um, after we phase
1: out of this, um, time? Yeah. I mean, I really fear, um, you know, um, fears, my, my, sorry, my, include, um, you know, the impact of social isolation, um, especially for people who don't have systems in place or right. uh, who, you know, don't have support systems in place or um, have the capabilities to connect with family and friends via Zoom or other um, video platforms. Um, I read an article the other day that a man um, with a bipolar disorder had um, died by suicide because he was unable to cope with isolation during COVID. Um, you know, it's devastating, you know, um, and it's this, this is a difficult time for everybody, and it can, compare, um, can create severe effects on um, individuals, um, even if you don't have a pre-existing mental health condition. Um, you know, and I'm also concerned about the economic impact on our community because um, this can be detrimental for many families, small businesses, and, and homeowners. Um, some of you know some people are never going to be able to re- recover from this, and this is these are all contributing factors that exacerbate stress and mental health illness.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Now, how are you able to personally cope with the, uh, your present changes and what are some of your self-care practices?
1: So, um, in the first few weeks, it was a little difficult, um, to adjust to the new normal. Um, but my colleagues and I have been in touch via video chats, texts, and phone calls. Um, I do miss all of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I am, you know, in some things that are are affected is, you know, I'm unable to visit my grandmother who is a 95 year old woman, um, and continuing to try to take precautionary measures to protect my parents who are over 65. Um, and you know, I'm a very social person. So, uh, but I also, you know, I also appreciate being home. Mm -hmm. Um, but it still has been a little bit difficult. Um, but my friends and I and siblings and cousins have all been able to, you know, be in touch just a little bit more, more often, which is pretty nice. Um, I love cooking, baking, um, and I've been actually saving a lot of money by not spending money at um, lunch at work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so, but I walked. So, some of the things that I use um, to help with um, my self care practices is I walk daily, I'm doing virtual yoga. Um, I meditate in the morning, meditate at night. I practice Reiki on myself. Uh Um, I think the person who's having the hardest time is my 18 year old who, um, who is very social, just turned 18 and, um, is a senior in high school. And so, you know, it's still unclear whether or not he will be going to prom or, you know, having a graduation. So, um, but aside from that, we've been, you know, watching some Netflix series. So it's been good bonding time as well. Yeah, I was
0: going to say it's probably a great time for you two to uh, connect. Um, and you actually have time. You're, it's a blessing to have this time. So, And I am glad you've, you've pointed out a lot of um, great self-care practices. And I did uh, notice, too, that you are a Reiki practitioner upon my yeah. research and that's awesome <laughs> i am all for it i had a session one time and it was absolutely life-changing to a point where i would even love to um to get to know how to do it myself and especially to do it on myself so that's beautiful but if you don't know much about reiki please do look it up it is um it's a great healing modality one of probably one of my favorites
1: yeah, Definitely, I, I loved it too yeah i Um, Brigham offers it the 15 minute, 15 minute sessions, um, in the, in one of our areas at Brigham hospital for employees. And so I was like, what is this? You know, so I just Mm -hmm. tried it one day and in that 15 minutes, um, it just felt like they were lifting all of this like negative energy off. Mm-hmm. It. I just felt so great after, yeah. even though it was just fifteen minutes. No, it's um, life changing. So that's what prompted me to get training. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I love Reiki.
0: Definitely, definitely. So, Carla, how can we help you? Do your? How can we all do
1: our part to help you? Um, I think people really should, um, you know, stay home and follow the recommendations um, from the city, state, state, and government officials. Um, you know, call your neighbors or family members, check on them. Um, this is a difficult time for a lot of people. Um, and I want people to know that, you know, it's okay to talk to a therapist. It's okay if your therapist recommends medications, um, if you need more support to cope during this time. Um, there are websites like Eno Psych, um, Therapy Man- uh, Matcher and um psychology today and there are many more um that provide bios on therapists photos um to help you choose and also you know choosing the treatment modality that you're looking for um, that can be very helpful during this time so you're not alone um you know even if people don't have immediate family members and people around there are um, tons of different ways that you can find support
0: absolutely thank you for sharing that as well now where can we find you and um, learn more about your journey
1: So I am on Instagram under Carla B. Montero, which is M O N T E I R O. Um, I think I'm under the same thing on Twitter um, and on um, Facebook is the same thing. And um, you'll see the little logo; it's a little lady with a purple, purple afro. Um, And you'll see my my logo. And so I'm also on um, LinkedIn as well. Yeah, that's a really
0: cool logo. I love the colors. It definitely thank stands you. out for sure. Um, before I let you go, I'd like to dive even deeper with three last questions. Okay, I'm going to start with the first okay. one. If you, Carla, were to write yourself a love letter, how would you begin?
1: Um, I think I'd begin by saying, um, dear Carla, thank you for embracing all the obstacles that life has thrown your way and um, continuing to love yourself unconditionally.
0: Beautiful second question, um, what is that your personal why
1: that one thing that gets
0: you up every day?
1: My role as a mother, daughter, sister, aunt, friend, social worker, and community activist um, makes me wake up every morning with a purpose. Um, each day, I strive to um, to do something positive for someone. Um, Whether it's giving advice to a family member, empowering clients to achieve their goals, um, distributing food in our community, or testifying on behalf of bills that impact my community. Um, I just think it's important for us to just be present and um, serve with a purpose. I love that.
0: Thank you. And lastly, what would you like to leave behind when this journey is over?
1: Um, I would like to leave a leave behind a legacy of resilience, strength, love, and compassion. Um, I want Black men and women, um, children of immigrants, single mothers, people who have mental illnesses, um, people who have been affected by crime, drugs, and the prison system, or are living in poverty to know that these identities don't define our outcomes. Um, We can and will achieve greatness despite all of those things. That's right.
0: Beautiful, and that we can. Um, Thank you so much, Carla, for your time. This has been very informational, and um, it's given me an even greater insight of who you are as a human being and you are exceptional please do continue to do the work we need you and so and and thank you also for diving even deeper into what a social worker does because i think um sometimes we we miss the mark on that so i do appreciate you um letting us know what you're doing for us and we will continue to do our part for you
1: thank you so much thank you for having me on
0: Absolutely, anytime. And to my listeners, remember you are the most important person in your life. Until the next time, be well. And please do connect with us on our Instagram page that's L U C E dot inspiration. L U C E dot inspiration. Until the next time, take care of yourself and one another.